politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, Paul Revere's and Minutemen to the CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house Thursday, April 30th, this last day of the month of April, April reign of tyranny. Will it bring a May month of flowers of freedom? Freedom flowers. A little double entendre there with rain, R-A-I-N. April rain, and it is really pouring here, so I guess I don't feel bad about being locked down because I wouldn't be going out today anyway. Um, But I want to discuss today the president's comments this morning that just every single day he seems to frustrate us. Right when we have momentum, when we're building so much evidence legally, scientifically, against this insane, arbitrary, overly broad, and counterintuitive, illogical, immoral, illegal lockdown. He goes and he tweets, bashing Sweden, saying, you guys have a bad result, worse than your neighbors, because you didn't do lockdown quick enough. You didn't do lockdown. So now he... The very man who criticized Democrat governors for doing this now criticizes a country for doing the opposite, just like he criticized Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia for doing what Trump himself said. Folks, how many times, how many times throughout this presidency had had we engaged in, in massive battles with the media where Trump says one thing, the media fights him, Trump's most loyal supporters back him up, And then three weeks later, he uses the terminology, the ideas, the arguments of the other side more emphatically than the other side is using it. Because, frankly, the World Health Organization and the New York Times have praised Sweden. Now, we're going to talk about rebutting the president who is now echoing the left on Sweden. And in the process, we're going to build up today a full vision of the science, of the observations, of the different countries, the different factors, demographics, genetics, population density, timing of what you did in terms of shutting off international travel, in terms of basic hygiene and and, uh, avoiding large gatherings, and then full lockdown. What helps, what doesn't, what's counterintuitive, looking at the full array of timing of deaths, how many deaths, what's the real death rate of the virus by age group. All of these things we should be asking and studying. I've spent hours last night. um, I really should have gone to sleep right when the baby did (laughs) because you you never want to waste an opportunity like that. But I, I stayed up an extra two hours just burning through as many of the most recent English language studies, mainly from international researchers, on all aspects of this to try to get a common denominator. And what I've said from day one, from day one, and it's just being reinforced by everything I'm seeing, is this. The main result that you have that plays a role in your positive results is to get out ahead of it, meaning you don't let it in mass into your country, which is why yours truly worked with Senator Cotton and Senator Hawley's office to try to get a shutoff of China and then shortly afterwards from Europe very early on. Had these bozos that are now imposing fascism and lockdowns and killing more people from the lockdowns, I'm going to have an article out today on that. Had they listened to me, there would have been much less of this in the country to begin with. So the rate of R would have been much less, and you could slow it down much quicker and achieve a positive result with fewer fatalities. That's the lesson of a country like Taiwan. They shut it off early, and they had a positive result. The next step is, once you have whatever you have in your country, as early as possible, You have mitigation and tracking, but meaning it doesn't mean fascism. It just means you you don't do like what they did in the Spanish flu, which is in middle of it, they had a massive liberty bond rally 
in Philadelphia because this was still during World War One, and they were raising money. Um, the feds made made the cities raise money from bonds, and they ha- held a packed parade, and it was a disaster. Well, that's what we did all February with these Chinese Lunar Year um, celebrations. Many of us advised against it, and we were called racist for not liking Chinese somehow because we cared about public safety. And again, I'll say it again. I always took this seriously because I I, I figured it probably has a slightly higher rate of death than the flu, not much higher. But it might be significantly higher in nursing homes of people very sick and over the age of 75, 80. Although it does have appear to have a, a lower fatality rate among kids than the flu, especially babies, which often you know it's very dangerous for for a newborn to get get a flu, which is why we should have schools open, by the way. But you know it spreads quicker and it lasts longer than the flu season. So you put that together. That's something you don't want to bring in your country, and when you and 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 when you have it, you want to avoid. Basic gatherings. But what we have suggested is that once you don't do those first two steps, which most countries did not do, once you did not go and shut off travel early on, which almost nobody did, and once you don't have the basic common sense mitigation efforts as early as possible, then that, then this thing, by their very admission, I mean, what, what is the panic porn crowd, the lockdown crowd, the doomsday crowd? Oh, this is as, as contagious as anything. Well, that's the point. Garbage in, garbage out. That means it already was contagious for the last three months when you didn't do anything about it, and that means it's long spread, and that means the contract contact tracing fascism and the lockdowns are meaningless, and you're locking down people already have it in the same families indoors, which is worse than outdoors, and you're spreading it. That was our contention. Our contention was that, of course, you want to slow a spread, meaning you're not, in the long run, you're not going to save lives because it doesn't save lives. As soon as you come back, it's going to spread again. Also, it's not a, nobody's doing a full lockdown, certainly not in America, but even in Europe, you know, it's not like, what was it? It was recently Yom HaShoah, the uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day, and he's just reading different stories of people hidden attics and, you know, that's a lockdown. I mean, they, they lived on dirt. Nobody's doing that. They get all their stuff delivered from Amazon. They go to the store, Walmart, Home Depot, the grocery store. So give me, so th- this was the point of Dr. Erickson's video that everyone was, the political class was panning. And he was saying, look, you're getting it anyway. It's gonna be a little slower, but you're getting it and you're not achieving herd immunity. Now, it is important to slow it to a certain extent you don't want the initial massive surge, but we we never had that, and we achieved that after a week. Even in New York City, got close, but certainly everywhere where else. So the point is, once you have that, what you need to do is not lockdown. You need to do what's called stratify and shield. You shield the vulnerable population, and you stratify it by different age and, and health status. And, and to a certain extent, maybe geographical population density status. In my mind, we should be more strict on nursing homes. We should be more strict on subways. But then everything else, you go back to normal, not normal, 100% normal, but meaning you do your thing. You don't get too close. You don't certainly don't have large gatherings. You're not going to have big basketball games until, until it's over. And and that's the deal. And that way you achieve herd immunity quick, quicker. You put your resources all into the sick, into the hospitals, into the nursing homes, rather than spreading it out to everyone and killing more older people. That way, that way, you then avoid all of the other deaths from the cancer patients and the heart patients and the diabetes patients. I have an article out. Millions of life years lost. You cannot imagine. See, if you're going to model any result, oh, this, this country had this number of deaths per million from COVID, and this country had this, well, you have to look in totality what you did. And then obviously the mental health study yesterday that we found that 
of the population, 2%, that's roughly 6 million people in America, 6, 7 million people, will lose close to 10 years of their life from just the mental health aspects. We haven't modeled the financial ruin yet. And then you have the physical health of everyone. This is the point. In America, in America, we let it in more than anything. Remember, America is the most wide-open country. We have the most travel from China from everywhere. It's the biggest hub for business, for everything. So it's naturally going to get hit, should get hit worse than anyone else. Now, we did shut it off a little quicker than some Europe country, European countries. Not nearly as early as we should have been, as I have advocated. So, yes, we prevented a certain degree of it, and that's why we had a better result than some of the real bad European countries. Then we did nothing, 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 nothing at all January and February. Come the second week of March, we went nuts. Now, we didn't go quite as nuts in most states with the lockdown as some European countries, as Israel. But the point is, the point is, it didn't help one bit. It didn't help one bit. Again, when you look at some of the countries with a more positive result, it's because they started early. Either they're more of an insular, isolated country that to begin with has much less travel, they brought it in much less, or they started with the mitigation really early. But our contention is, ensconced in the lockdown is the basic mitigation. Now go and model what it would have looked like. See, we're comparing countries that didn't do anything early to those that did lockdown early. Well, what about those that would do basic mitigation early. That's the key. There's no value add in the lockdown. And like we said, if what, what's going to happen is in the long run with the second wave, it's going to be counterintuitive because you're going to achieve herd immunity less. You're going to kill more older people. And of course, of course, of course, you're going to kill tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands more from the phys- other physical health um, that's shut down, healthcare services and medical and uh, mental health. So here's the deal. Most Asian countries didn't do lockdown. They had a positive result. Most Western countries did do lockdown. They had a negative result. Now, if you look at the countries that had a positive result in the West, there's a reason for it. Iceland. It's an island. It's tiny. There's one airport. Very few people come to it. They got it in very little, and then they did mitigation immediately. Small, insular, homogenous country. It's not surprising. Also, it's very white. So one of the things that, that makes a huge difference is clearly genetics. We see this with life expectancy, we, but we, we know this to be true with a lot of viruses. It's just obvious that genetics play a role, and sometimes demographics, I mean, plays a role because you just have different genetics, and some have it worse than others. And it, it seems to be pretty clear, at least in America, which is a melting pot, so you get to see you know different um, results. It's very clear New York City data shows that um, the black uh, death rate was 92.3 per 100,000. Hispanic was 74.3. White was 45.2. So that's half, literally half, the rate of the black population. So again, some of these European countries that have better results, remember, they're all white. So you have to compare Caucasian population to Caucasian population. And then, by the way, Asian persons was 34.5, something that's very interesting. We talk about Chinatown and Queens being a smoldering ash. Ironically, if you look at the data, it's not so much from the Asian population. Clearly, they brought it in the most from the travel from China, but it looks like they themselves are more immune to it for whatever reason. Because remember, like in a lot of these Queens neighborhoods, they're, they're, the, they're, they're the worst neighborhoods in the entire country in terms of deaths. But then again, Asians have it even a little slightly better than Caucasians. So the, the reason is because it's a melting pot and you have tons of Hispanic areas and all sorts of areas right around it, right, mixed in. And I think that's the majority of the patients in a lot of the Queens hospitals like Flushing, New York, um, things like that. And again, that, that's also, that goes into Asia too. Taiwan is an insular country. Singapore is an insular country. Shut off travel, mitigation right away, but they didn't do lockdown. But also keep in mind, clearly, 
their genetics seem to be better, at least for, for dealing with COVID. Some of it's also behavior when you're dealing with demographics. So some of it's environment, behavior, and genetics. So they also, I mean, Asians tend to be thinner and healthier. Um, that's why Japan has, a, just in general, Japan has a, a higher uh, life expectancy across the board from everything. Um, they are healthier. So again, my point is, once you bring it into your country and you don't initially do any mitigation and it spreads far and wide, then you're basically going to get whatever six to eight week disaster, you're going to get it. There's nothing you can do to stop that at that point. Now, you do want to have some mitigation, again, like I'm saying, because you, you just because of the hospitalization, you do want to prevent the the weakening of the system, and that will kill more people in itself. That That is true, and we all agree to that. But the lockdown versus, picture what we did the first few days in the first week or so in March. You know, okay, no large gatherings, and people were starting to be very careful, but you didn't have fascism. There's no value add to the fascism. The only value add are all the millions of deaths we will have in this country long term from cancer, heart disease, and everything else. So that's the story. That's the story. You look at Israel, similar thing. They shut off travel before anyone. Small country, one airport. They did severe lockdown. It didn't work. The reason it worked was not because of the severe lockdown. It was because of the other ingredients is that they had some mitigation early. They, they, they let it in less than any other country. It's a small country. And also, Israelis are very healthy. That, that's well known. Thin population, obesity is very low. It's also a young population too. Age makes a huge difference here. That, that's what we see. So you got to put it all together. Germany is the only kind of funny country. Um, it, you know, they didn't really shut off travel. And it's a big hub, big international hub, very large country, one of the largest countries. More population density in a lot of places. And yet they had a terrific result. So Germany is, is kind of an outlier. But, but again, Germany, they did do their mitigation very, very, very early. Very, very early. So that made a difference. In other words, my point is, the key is not to do lockdown late. It's to do basic distancing at a reasonable time early on. That's the common sense here. Basic distancing, basic hygiene, which everyone's doing. Which gets me to Sweden. Which gets me to Sweden. Sweden, according to what they're telling us, Sweden should be molten ash and everyone should be dead. They did basic responsibility, but they didn't mandate and didn't shut things down. And they're somewhere in the middle. They're better than the disasters of Spain, Italy, Belgium, and France, and to a lesser extent, but still, you know, um, what did I say? Bel Belgium and, and the UK. But... They say, well, Finland, Denmark, Netherlands, and Norway did better than them. Well, first of all, they, they are much, you know, Stockholm is a much bigger metro area than any of those countries have. You, you know, for most of them, it is a bigger country. But also, we're missing the point. We don't disagree. We don't disagree that if you do lockdown versus not doing lockdown, it's going to spread slower. But remember, the point we were told is that this is going to hit everyone anyway until you get a vaccine. So the only rationale for lockdown was, well, you can't have hospitals overrun. Well, Sweden didn't have the problem, nor did we. Other countries have that problem. So you're, you're kind of stuck. That's our, our, that's our point. So the answer to the president, to come back to what we started the show, show with, is that C CNBC, CNBC article, Sweden resisted a lockdown and its capital Stockholm is expected to reach herd immunity in weeks. 
Yes, yes, you're right. More people got it and more people died than in the similar, smaller, albeit even more smaller, Nordic countries. But guess what? Sweden got herd immunity. So come back to me in another year and tell me the results. Now also model in the number of people who die from other healthcare that was shut down in those other Nordic countries relative to Sweden who doesn't have that. Not to mention the economic effects. That's our point. This point was best brought out by a brilliant Israeli study from Hebrew University, three researchers researchers led by David Gershon. And they basically made this balanced point. So the article in Israel21c.org, it's one of their news outlets, lockdown only made corona crisis worse, claim experts. This is a big deal. Remember, Israel did a severe lockdown and, and they had a terrific result. I mean, it's something like it's the exact same population as New Jersey and they have like 10% of the deaths. But, so you would think they have every, you know, incentive to say, oh, our country is great. It's the lockdown was awesome. No, that wasn't the ingredient. It was getting out early in terms of international travel, basic domestic measures, and a healthy population demographic. It was always going to be better there than in a place like New Jersey with a lot of, you know, other types of immigrants, um, blacks, Hispanics, um, that just no matter what, once you let it in, they're going to always have, unfortunately, a worse result. And their study was titled Managing the COVID-19 Pandemic Without Destroying the Economy. They argue that the medieval approach of quarantining the population for a prolonged period takes a catastrophic economic and social toll. The mathematical model developed by the authors, finance and banking experts David Gershon and Alexander Lipton of the Jerusalem Business School and epidemiologist Dr. Haggai Levine of the School of Public Health confirmed that lockdown was not necessary for the stated purpose of flattening the curve. And basically, their point is that if you have enough ICU beds per capita, which Israel did, which America did, which the Asian countries did, which some European countries did, but the ones that didn't had serious problems, but if you have enough beds, it's not worth doing a lockdown. Now, you want to balance it, you want to have something, and again, folks, this is where the case fatality rate matters. When we say that, look, for most people, the death rate is probably 0.1.2% as opposed to 3 to 5%, that makes a huge difference. Because then, yes, you are going to want to get this done with quicker and not want to get the collateral damage. That makes a difference. You're going to save more lives in the long run and even medium run. Now, older people probably have more of a death rate of 1% or 1.5%. And if they're sicker, it could go higher. You want to shield and stratify. Stratify and shield. I want to make it very clear when we talk about, oh, this is a small fatality rate. It's only in nursing homes and certain people. It doesn't mean those people don't matter. Oh, they could die. Oh, it's not a tragedy if an 80-year-old dies versus a 30-year-old. But what it does mean is that in terms of strategy, it makes sense. Well, if most of the people dying aren't working anyway, and almost none of the school-age kids die, don't shut the schools and don't shut all the workplaces. And you keep people alive by keeping the medical supply chain and the hospitals running and the critical care that they called elective running and the food supply running. You got to do that. That's the beauty of it. See, the Spanish flu, you were screwed in 1918. Most of the deaths, it, it, for whatever reason, it, it was a form of H1N1. It targeted... Um, 20 to 40-year-olds. I think we saw that with the swine flu. It actually targeted younger people. It was less deadly. Targeted younger people. Less contagious, looks like. That was also that was a form of H1N1, kind of like the Spanish flu. But they basically come out with the fact that it's all a matter of your ICU beds. If you don't have enough, you're screwed. 
Maybe you need a lockdown. But if you do have enough, then you're then then what are you trying to do? Well, I don't want my hospitals overrun. Well, they're not going to be overrun. Well, I don't want people to die. But that doesn't make sense because because they, they're going to die until you have a vaccine. You need herd immunity. Per, they they talk about precautions versus lockdowns. I felt it was really good. And um, and that's the thing. America has a better result than Italy and Spain. Not because we did a better lockdown. We did, if anything, we did less lockdown. It's not really because we got out in front of it earlier. We didn't. We got out in front of it a little later. We might have let it in a little bit. We shut off travel a little bit more, but we have more travel from China than they do. What happened there was they they were overrun because their health system sucks. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, those European countries are just dysfunctional. UK, France, Belgium, Italy, and Spain are just everyone knows that. I mean that that's the issue there. It's nothing to do with lockdown. And then obviously they talk about the deaths of the lockdown. So it truly is a very brilliant study that's worth delving into. It's worth delving into. So um where is this? Just trying to get a hold of the of the copy here. It's at Cornell University, I think, had a had a copy of it. And they strike the right balance. It's the right balance. If the purpose of lockdowns is to ensure that the pandemic spreads slowly with a reduced epidemic peak flattening the curve, then a very different strategy is needed. Flattening the curve is particularly important if the healthcare system has limited capacity. Right? In, In neither case, the critical point is to set a goal. I'm sorry, in either case, the critical point is to set a goal and develop a strategy of achieving it. Merely being on the safe side does not represent a viable approach because the objective function of policymakers should include other health issues as well as the society as a whole. So that's the point here. That is the point. This is what the president is missing about Sweden. Sweden had a better result than all the bad, all the lockdown countries that had better results. It had somewhat of a worse result than other countries. But let me tell you, Sweden has the same population as Michigan. It had a much better result than the state of Michigan. Now, some of that, again, is also Michigan very much was driven by the black population around Detroit, which, you know, Sweden doesn't really have. Has some North African immigrants now. Obviously, we talk about that a lot, but it's not as great of a percentage as the state of Michigan. So that plays a role, too. But the point is, what if they wind up achieving herd immunity? Then it's a terrific result. See, 2,000 deaths, or 2,200, however they have, yeah, that's worse than some of the other Nordic countries that did lockdown. But it's not because they achieved a better result. It's they slowed it down. But you can't do that forever. Everyone knows that. They're going to have to come out, and then they're going to get whacked. The point is, once you, when God declares an epidemic and you let it in your country, until you get a vaccine, there's not much you can do. So the objective is to achieve herd immunity as quickly as possible while, while studying and identifying the biggest vulnerabilities, stratifying and shielding those that need to be shielded, but achieving the right balance of speed and Ensuring they don't die from other things. And speaking of dying from other things, this is what the president won't tell you. We talked about yesterday how Oregon had just 78 deaths, and they did lockdown. It was stupid. 78 deaths in the entire state. 
But it turns out that they have 167 excess deaths. Meaning, if you look at the same period from March 16th to April 19th of the last three years, they had almost exactly the same number of fatalities in the state, just overall from everything. You come now, and there's an extra 167. I mean, it's an extra 245, but okay, you could say 78 is obviously from COVID, but twice as many as from COVID are excess. Where is it coming from? Well, they found that almost all of them are people dying at home. Why are they dying at home? Well, we know exactly why, why they're dying at home. Twice as many people in the state of Oregon likely died at home as from COVID because of the panic porn and the shutdown itself, both because of the ban on hospital procedures that is evil and immoral, and also because of just the sheer panic that they're putting into people and they're dying and not coming. I'm not a fan of the American Hospital Association, but they got this one right. They wrote a letter to the Surgeon General on March 15th, and they seriously questioned shutting down vital services to others in the community who need care, meaning non-COVID patients. And then they warned about the misconception of what is called elective surgeries that they were shutting down. It is imperative to note that elective simply means a procedure is scheduled rather than a response to an emergency. For example, elective surgeries could include replacement of a faulty heart valve, removal of a serious cancerous tumor, or a pediatric hernia repair. Often, if these types of procedures are delayed or canceled, the person's condition gets rapidly worse and can even be life-threatening. This is particularly true with children who are all in an active phase of their life growth and development. The resulting decline in their health could make them more vulnerable to COVID-19 as well. It's circular logic, right? A blanket directive to cancel elective and non-urgent procedures usurps the proper role of the physicians caring for patients and their families, collaborating closely with the hospital to determine what is in the patient's best interest. So we have six weeks worth of shutdowns of cancer surgeries, diagnostics, biopsies, testing to see if cancer is spread, transplants, heart surgeries, complex orthopedic surgeries have been put off. Folks, we said yesterday, according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis the, from the um, Department of Commerce, 46% of all GDP lost has been from healthcare. The biggest irony, oh, they're going to be overrun. No, they weren't overrun. And then now you shut, you gratuitously shut down everything else. Could you imagine that degree of healthcare? How many deaths are resulting? Forget about the long-term care. That's for sure. Years lost in the long term, but immediate. Immediate. That's what happened. In Oregon, like most states, ER and OR, well, OR was even more, but ER visits dropped by 40%. Other than car accidents, there's nothing else that it makes sense would stop. If anything, there's more stress and hypertension. You're going to have more heart attacks and strokes. They're simply not coming in. That's the problem. And this, again, is why it's so important to talk about the case fatality rate. Look, if you have something with the fatality rate of Ebola, and that's as, as contagious as a viral and, um, respiratory infection, yeah, then you, you might want to tough it out if you have heart symptoms. You're like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to get this disease. But if it's only on average 0.1, 0.2, maybe 0.3, maybe a little elevated for some people, that makes a big difference. You can't die of a heart attack. This is very important that people know that. This is the balance we need. That's the point. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reports how there's a backlog of thousands of surgeries for cancer resections, heart procedures, gallbladder removal, surgeries for those born with serious genetic organ problems, and complex children's orthopedic sur surgeries. Yet for fewer than 1,000 hospitalizations and 300 deaths, they shut down hospitals there. 40% of the Mayo Clinic is shut down. Just try to quantify the loss of life from the delay of cancer screenings, biopsies, and diagnostics. As I said, the UK did a study I read, that tried to model just in the UK. And they found that a six-month delay, and we're likely going to have much more because of the backlog, 
Six-month delay in surgeries for patients with stage 2 or 3 cancers of the bladder, lung, esophagus, ovaries, liver, pancreas, and stomach results in over 30% reduction in survival. They found overall that for all cancer patients that a six-month delay would result in 10,555 excess deaths and a cumulative loss of 205,000 life years. Now remember, America is five times bigger. So if you extrapolate that for our population, that would be 53,000 cancer deaths. And those are immediate, not long-term, and over 1 million life years lost. The clock is ticking, friends. See, that's the thing. When you're looking at Sweden, you have to model that in too. You have to look in totality. You don't have the luxury of, in life of being a nutcase. Oh my gosh, I don't want to crash into the left guard guardrail on the highway. I so barely, so I'm not going to be careful at all. And I'm going to turn the steering wheel all the way to the right and die and crash into the right guardrail. Most things in life take balance and precision and prudence and common sense. That's what you need to do. You can't do this. Especially in this late stage that you're not even going to save those people from COVID anyway. And now there's, there, there, there's evidence also, we wonder if more people are going to die from COVID because in circular logic, they're too scared to go to the hospital when they have COVID signs because they're scared of maybe getting it and they don't know if they have it yet. They're scared of, scared of people are saying you can't leave your house, which, which is stupid. You know, you have the California governor now closing beaches and parks. That's the best thing. You want people outdoors. The vitamin D, it's much better. It's indoors that, that's the problem. There's no transmission outdoors. That's ironclad from numerous studies. And it's, it has gone unrefuted by any study. So they don't go outside their homes. They don't go to the hospital. Ironically, more people are going to die from COVID as well as everything else. Because they're telling them that it's like, you get it, you die. For some people, it's terrible. There are people that are going to die. But if you look in, in a macro sense, which any public policy has to do, it's really, for many people, very low. And that makes a huge difference. Because, folks, let me tell you something. There is one legitimate aspect to shutting down elective surgeries. But, but, there's a caveat. There's two catches. Let me explain. So the one legitimate thing is that if you have a patient on, let's say, they have a mix of radiation, chemotherapy, and surgery. You got to do surgery. And it's often a question of, you know, when you do the surgery, before and middle, after the chemotherapy, depending on the cancer, the strategy, the situation, yada, yada. Now, obviously, chemotherapy will destroy someone's immune system, make them very vulnerable to COVID, right? So, um, so there is... A theory is saying, well, yeah, you don't want to push off a cancer surgery, but you might want to because you don't want them to be in the hospital, potentially get COVID, and then they'll die from COVID because they're a cancer patient. So it's kind of the two together. Now, there's two responses. So that is legitimate, and but but there's two points to that. Number one is you don't have a government bureaucrat idiot make a blanket rule. That's something the doctor needs to work with the patient and the family to kind of weigh this situation case by case. Let the hospital and the doctor do that, not, not the government. That's a stupid thing because each one's going to be a different decision. But number two, again, this is where case fatality rate matters. It matters. See, the difference between stage three and stage four cancer, the difference between what is an operable tumor and what becomes an inoperable tumor is often a matter of weeks. Surgeries of the essence. The diagnostics to go in to have the, the testing and the scans and then the biopsy are, are vital. Now, if you're going to tell me this has a fatality rate of 20%, well, yeah, you know, you might not want to go in and risk it. But if it's much lower, which we're seeing it is, that, that is a calculated risk that doctors have to make all the time. And all sorts of medical decisions where there's multiple symptoms and multiple illnesses and treatment for one works against the other and it's the timing. and you, I mean, that, that's how it is. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not a doctor, but I mean, this is common sense. Everyone knows that. So this is the stupidity. So most countries had a terrible outcome with lockdown. Couple of very insular, homogenous, white, small, less traveled countries that got ahead of this early, had a positive result. But I would argue they could have had most of the same result with even less. But they're going to achieve herd immunity 
much lower. So in the long run, we don't even know if they'll have fewer COVID deaths. They could have more COVID deaths in Sweden. And number two, I will guarantee you they will have more deaths from the mental and physical health shut down by the lockdown, not to mention the economy and job losses. Mr. President, I thought you understood this. I thought you understood this. And folks, going back to the case fatality rate, we now have more studies out. We have more studies out demonstrating this, easily demonstrating this. We have a study from Denmark. Again, I was binging through this. Tons of researchers, very large sample uh, size of serology, randomly sampled, almost 10,000. That's a very big sample for a country as small as Denmark. 10,000 blood donors. So what they're trying to do is, you know, the plasma treatments. So they're trying to find people that have the antibodies. So they randomly sample. And they came out with the following. So they sampled people from 17 through 69 years of age. Kind of weird. Usually it's 18. They actually clipped one year of, of kids. Seven, they had 17-year-olds, I guess. 17 to 69. So it didn't have the really young, which would really lower the fatality rate. It didn't have the older, over 70, which would have elevated it. And do you know what they found? The case fatality rate was 0.082, meaning less than 0.1. Less than one tenth of a percentage point, eighty-two out of ten thousand, uh, out of a hundred thousand. That's what they found. Eighty-two out of a hundred thousand is the case fatality rate, based on the extrapolation of random sampling. How many in, the, in Denmark had it, and then you divide it by the number of people who died. Folks, folks, imagine if you add in the kids. Imagine the kids' fatality rate. It's near nothing. Makes no sense to shut the schools. Makes no sense. And another thing they noted is that is that from their results, so the death toll for 70% of those under the age of 70 had serious conditions. So what their point is, if you were to isolate younger, healthy people, younger, healthy people, not just like real young, but but do a wide age range. If you would take healthy people, 17 to 69, it would be significantly lower than that. Significantly lower than even that, than even less than 0.1%. Okay? Significantly less than 0.1%. Now again, for the elderly, if you would isolate that, it would be it would be higher to some order of magnitude. So that's the thing, folks. Now cuz now now that is okay, that is about half the death rate that we're seeing with a lot of the serology studies in America that are more like 0.1 and a half, 0.2, 0.18. But remember, those studies included didn't cap the age at 69. They had all the elderly in there. And that really, you know, because because remember, a good, I mean, when you're starting, see, part of the problem with this is when you have a state like Minnesota, where close to 80% of the fatalities are from uh, in nursing homes, and then a lot of states is 50%. If you were to take nursing homes out of the equation, now remodel the percentage of the population that got it and the percentage who who died and take them out that that this De- Denmark serology study might be onto something it might be less than 0.1 so that that is very important and again it doesn't mean oh let the people in the nursing homes die just the opposite it means let everyone go out and achieve herd immunity and put in all the funding and the tracing and the and the and the attention we're giving to an entire population stupidly put it all on the nursing homes for that money you could build everyone their own villa with an aid to to live in alone that's what i'm saying stratify and shield 
Stratify and shield. That's what we need to be doing. And I'll note, I mean, there's there's another study out. This is from the Danish. No, not the Danish. Um, the Dutch. I always mix up the two. Um, where is this? The Dutch. They broke it down by age. Point zero zero four percent fatality rate from the age 20 to 29. See, I always wonder what would happen if you break it down by age? Because we never did that. 0.004%. Wrap your brain around that. 30 to 39.007%. Even 40 to 49 goes up significantly. 0.01%. You don't even get to the flu rate of 0.1, that first decimal, till the 50s, 50 to 59, and then the 60 to 69, it goes up significantly near 0.5. It's near 0.5, and I'm sure if you look at 70s and 80s, especially 80s, you're, you know, for 80s for sure, you're going to get over, you know, one, one and a half, two percent in some cases. But that's very significant. That's why you can't put it all in the same pot. The same way women, women are much, I mean, all studies show much less vulnerable, which again shows you it's some sort of genetic makeup, which is the same reason why you're seeing the racial results as well. And government needs to be transparent about this. It's going to make a big difference. Who you are, and that makes a big difference. The worst was the Spanish flu. All working age people got crushed. Thankfully, this is not the case. And that makes a big difference. Even if the Dutch and and Denmark are are maybe lower than we are, maybe their genetics are better, maybe the German genetics are better. You know, I mean, meaning even if you compare American Caucasians to to them, maybe it's slightly. But but you see where the ballpark is. The fatality rate. They're lying to you about what it is. That makes a huge difference in the strategy. It doesn't mean it's not concerning and it doesn't spread quickly and there's no vaccine for it yet. And among certain populations, it clearly is significantly more fatal than the flu. But again, you do have to put in perspective. Every single flu season, if you add the flu and pneumonia fatalities, which is kind of funny because they mix, Often the flu fatalities really wind up being pneumonia. I don't know how they they count that, but you'll get you'll often get six, even seven thousand deaths in America a week, a week during the flu season from flu and pneumonia. If you add pneumonia in, so again, I mean that you got to put this in perspective. This is the truth you're not hearing. Doesn't mean you don't be careful. Doesn't mean you don't lock down elderly and sick. But what it does mean is that lockdowns are counterintuitive to every single goal. You get all of the liabilities of, of hundreds of thousands dying from everything else and destroying your civilization, your liberty, and your economy. And you achieve nothing, nothing, no benefit on COVID unless you're a country without proper ICU, then you have no choice to do that for a certain period of time and, and kind of stagger it. But we don't have that problem and there was no reason to do it. And certainly, once we got over that hump, it should have ended after a few weeks, and certainly by now. That's the truth you're not going to hear anywhere else. This is the bottom line. I mean, folks, the studies of the banning of elective procedures, you cannot imagine how many people are dying from that in the panic porn. It's terrible. It's truly terrible. And again, I mean, this is a story from Fox 9 in Minneapolis. After testing positive for antibodies, Minnesota man thinks he may have had COVID-19 in December. Now, we don't know, but that, again, see, if I tell you, oh my gosh, there's a virus, it's about to start, you don't understand. It's starting now, and it has an 8% fatality rate. So then you'll be like, oh my gosh, I got to lock it, lock down, lock down, right? 
But that's it. But but what if I tell you, dude? Actually, you've been running around normally for three months, and it's been around, and the case fatality rate for most people is around 0.1. Some people a little bit more, some people a little less. Well, that's a different story. That's a horse of a different color in many ways, both in terms of just the mystique around it, like there's the fear of the unknown, but what if you've already had it for three months? There's the fatality rate being much lower. And then there's also the fact that the strategy, see, lockdown could only work if, if you're at the initial stage. If it already spread, there's nothing to lock down. There's nothing to do surveillance on. This is a, I, I, I hate when people mischaracterize our view like, oh, COVID is nothing. We don't care. We'd rather people die for the economy. That's not what I'm saying. This is not about 401ks. This is about shutting down all other medical care and having more people die from the shutdown of other medical care than from COVID while not even stopping the COVID deaths anyway because we were a day late, a dollar short. That's the lesson from observed observations from all the states, the countries. I don't have all the answers yet. But I'm sure you've heard a lot more information on this show, and I'm not even a doctor, than from our stupid government that just wants tyranny and anarchy. Folks, I need you to go to Harwood Citizen Sanctuary Sign up for our Minutemen private page. It's a private Facebook page. So a lot of you have complained that you can't post on our public page. Just comment. You could comment. Here you could actually post. Make it serious. I want you to post your what you're seeing in your states, whether it's good observations on the science, on the virology, on jailbreak stories, on corona fascism organizing events together sign up and we will you know you'll get an email invite if you email our team and we're gonna put this together folks it's time to speak the truth it's time to reopen america in the proper balanced way it's time to make america free again